Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, go to Daniel chapter 1. Gen- Daniel chapter number 1. I want to talk to you, what I'm calling this this morning is a time for favor. A time for favor. Listen, I believe that we are stepping into a new season. God, we've been talking about this uh, you know, this past year where, where God has uh, constantly been coming down to where we are. He's been sort of mourning with us when we mourn, um, you know, and all of those types of things. He feels what we feel, and we know that that's the God that we serve. He, we don't go through anything that he's not faced. But I believe God is coming to a time now. We've been talking about it, but now the time has come where he is pulling us up to a place where he is. God is pulling us up to be seated with him in heavenly places, to take your rightful place as kings and priests in the kingdom of God. You are an overcomer. You're not going to be an overcomer. You're not one day, maybe you might try to look like you're an overcomer. God has declared today, you are an overcomer. You have overcome. Even if the things that lay before you have not manifest yet, you have already overcome. Why? Because God sees things in the spirit. Now, we see things in the natural. We believe what we see in the natural. We have to begin to look through the eyes of the Lord. He has already prepared a time of favor, a season of favor for us, for you and for me. He's already prepared it. You know what he's been doing? These last few months and this last year, he's been preparing us for the time that he already has prepared for us. Did you get that? He's been preparing you and I for a prepared time that he already has for us to step into. And now it's time for us to take our rightful place and to step into that time and that season of favor. And it's for a purpose. Listen, it's so that we will be blessed. Yes. It's, it's, it's to uh, raise our morale. It's to do all of those things. But listen, it's really for his purpose. It's a kingdom purpose that he's doing this. This is not for nothing that he's doing this. He is spreading his word. He is spreading his glory. And how do you think he's going to do that? He's going to do it through us. But we have to be moving in that time of favor, in that season that God has prepared for us in order for him to move through us. Listen, in Chronicles, God said it. He said, my eyes go to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking, searching for a people, someone that I might show myself mighty through. Are you that people? I declare that I am part of that people that God can show himself mighty through. Well, listen, if we're going to allow the master to show himself mighty through us, to bless us, to make us the head and not the tail, that we are above, never again beneath. We are kings and priests. Listen, if we are going to walk in that, we have to have an open ear, an open pipeline, an open prayer line to the master and what he is saying to his spirit to know where to step, how to step, when to step back, when to step to the side, how far to go up. Everything that he wants us to do, we have to be connected. We have to be plugged in and connected. And here is what he's calling us to do. Daniel chapter 1, I'm going to read the whole chapter. Starting in verse 1, it says this. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, 
Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants, come on, and some of the nobles, the young men in whom there was no blemish, but what? Good looking. Come on, how many know Daniel was good looking? Gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king, verse 5, appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and the wine which he drank. And three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. Now, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego, not Abednego, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart, verse 8, that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into the what? Favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear the Lord King. I fear my Lord, the King, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. Let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance, now listen to this, let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies and as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them ten days. Remember, ten is the number of testing, thus the tithe. And at the end of the ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Verse 16, thus, the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. 
As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them. He found them ten times better than all the magicians and the astrologers who were in his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at this first chapter of Daniel, and I look at how things transpire, you can see that the eunuch here, the leader of the eunuchs, when he was told to give Daniel and these three other young men the king's delicacies, well, that's quite an honor. I mean, you get to eat of the good stuff. You get the best of the wine. You get the fattest of the fatty meat. You get all of the best at the king's table. And so he knew that they had favor already. When Daniel refused that thing, he thought, well, this man must be crazy. I mean, not only are you endangering yourself, but you have to realize you're endangering me. I mean, I'm already a eunuch. And he's going to take the head off my shoulders. Come on. I mean, you're endangering me now. I can't have you come and looking puny. I never knew that word till I moved to Indiana. I just thought it was a little person. But I can't have you come looking puny. I can't have you come looking sickly before the king because first thing he's going to do is chop my head off because he's going to say, how come you didn't give them of my best? Daniel said, I got a little proposition for you. Daniel knew that the number of testing was 10. He said, let's do a little test. This is what God is calling us to. Come on, folks. Let's do a little test. Because you've been looking around for how to get ahead. How do I get out of debt? How do I get rid of this belly and be healthy? Stop getting sick every other week. How do I do that? How do I get my relationship right with my wife or my husband or my brother or my sister, my parents, whatever it may be? How do I know what school to go to and what to take, what career? How do I know all these things? We look so many different places. I mean, we look to the bank. We look to the internet. We look to so many different places. And God is telling you today, I tell you what, let's do a little test. Test me in this, he said in Malachi. Prove me in this and see if I won't open the windows of heaven. All you got to do is test me. So Daniel said, let's do a little test. Ten days, I'm going to eat vegetables. And I'm going to drink water. I'm not going to drink any of the wine. I'm not going to eat any of the fat of the goats and the hog and the cattle and the oxen. But I'm just going to eat my vegetables. I'm going to abstain from that. 
and see at the end of the 10 days where we're at and you make a judgment. He didn't even tell him where he was going to be. He said, just at the end of the 10 days, you look at us and compare us to the other boys and you see where we're at. Well, we just read at the end of the 10 days, what happened? Daniel and their, the new, their new names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come on, they were all in good health. In fact, they looked better than the others. They looked better than the others. Why would you not accept a testing from the Lord when he's going to bring you through something and having you looking better than the world? Stop looking at Donald Trump, Bill Gates. How come I can't be like them? How come they're rich? How come this one has that? How come that one has this? God is telling you, listen, keep my words in your mouth. Meditate on them day and night. Observe to do all that is written therein. And then you will have what? Anybody? You'll make your way prosperous and you'll have what? Success? What kind of success? Not just success. That's the thing. The world can have success. But God is telling you, you will have good success because there's different types of success. You can be successful and it be a worldly successful. And to me, that's not really success. Always looking over your shoulder. Always trying to get ahead, trying to hang on to what you got with dear life. It gives you all kind of itises. Come on. Arthritis makes you sick, makes you go crazy. But God is saying, I will give you good success. Guess what? God's good success comes with peace. Peace that passes all understanding. You have no worry, no fear, no anxiety, just success. That's what God wants to give you. That's why he's taking us through this time period. Come on, for such a time as this, we are going to step into a time of favor. What will this do for us? What will this Daniel fast do for us? Well, I'm going to tell you, it's fasting together. It's not just fasting. Because here's the thing about it. If only Sunday fasts and Eldon fasts and Barry fasts and the rest of us don't, they will get benefit. Don't get me wrong. God is going to speak to them. All right, he's going to move them up. But God wants to move us up together as a people. I want to put something on you. Now, listen, I don't want to guilt you into anything. I told you it's a heart thing. Nobody's going to come over to your house and check, you know, what you're uh, eating. You know, if I'm driving down the street and I see your car in McDonald's, I'm just going to turn my head. I won't say anything to you. That's all right. You know, you're going through some stuff. McDonald's has some salads. I don't know. Maybe you're not getting the Big Mac, Cheryl. Maybe you're getting the salad. I don't know. You know, so it's, it's not about that. But do you remember when the, the, the people of Israel, the children of Israel, came through the Red Sea? They were on the other side. And uh, Moses was hearing from the Lord. He had all these instructions. I mean, he raised his staff up and the Red Sea split. And, you know, he had been through all these things. Miriam and Aaron his brother and sister were talking. You remember that, Eldon. And this guy, listen, I can hear from the Lord. In fact, he was over there being like the Egyptians while we were being persecuted. And we were praying to God. Now, all of a sudden, he just comes on the scene, has a change of heart, and he's this big leader. I could do that as well. She had leprosy just like that. 
because she came against God's anointed one. That's not the point I want to get to, though. The point I want to get to is what happened next. What happened next is Moses went to the Lord. Lord, come on now, that's my sister. I know she came against me, but it's my sister. You know, the Lord said, okay, I tell you what. You're going to have to put her outside the camp because she can't infect anyone else with leprosy. And not only that, the camp can't move. Five million people cannot move because one person came against the anointed one. One person didn't go along with what God had a people doing. So the whole people had to be still. She still got it? Yep. What about now? Yep. They had to wait till God was finished and he cleansed her. A disease that there is no cure for. But God cleansed her. Then she was able to move back in. Now we can all move again. Thank you for joining. So I'm not trying to guilt you into anything, but what I want to tell you is that you are important in this thing. You are important for, for all of us going together. We got to go together. Listen, no person is an island. You can't do it by yourself. We're going to get there. We're going to get there together as a people. All right. All of us. You've heard the analogy of a boat yard. And when the water comes in to that thing, all the boats rise. Right. That's a great analogy. That's what God does with his people. He doesn't just put water right here. So one boat comes up. Now, it may look like that to us. Oh, this one's a pastor. That one's a bishop. This one went to Africa and healed the people. That one. No, it may look like that. But really, God is bringing everybody up. Come on. That's the way he deals with us. And so it's important for all of us to grab a hold of this thing that God wants us to do. We're going to step into a time of favor. What is that going to do for us? Well, fasting together is favorable for us. It's favorable for, number one, a move of the Spirit. It opens up the door that God's Spirit can just move freely. You've heard that we can quench the Spirit. You might say, well, God's Spirit is mighty. Nothing can stop that. Well, God said His people can quench His Spirit. We don't want to quench the spirit. It opens it up for a move of the spirit. The second thing, it opens up for the gifts of the spirit to flow freely. I mean, I've heard, I've heard a lot of talk over the years about, well, you know, the gifts of the spirit need to flow in here. We need to have more of the prophetic sometimes and, you know, those types of things. We've only had a couple services where the gifts have moved. And I, I agree with that. Guess what? This is what God is saying. If you come to me, do it my way. Don't just try to play a couple notes on the keyboard or the organ and think that I'm going to move because of that. You can't drum it up. You got to be right in your heart. I'll move when I want to move. But when you're right. And see, how we prepare for a revival, how we prepare for a move of the Spirit and for the gifts of the Spirit to flow is not here on Sunday morning. How we prepare for that is Monday through Saturday, reading our Bible, praying, being good to people, forgiving people, asking for forgiveness, brushing off offense, doing our best not to offend people. When you do those things, then you prepare for a move of the Spirit on Sunday morning. You can't just do what you want to do all week and then come Sunday morning and say, now, Lord, move. Here I am. Forgive me for everything. And now you're free to move. See, God's just going to start working out some stuff before he moves the gifts of the spirit. He's going to have you on your face on here on Sunday morning working out some things in you. Let him work it out. Judge yourself. Judge yourself. Now look in the mirror and say that. Judge yourself, Michael. 
Don't let it get to the point where God has to judge you. Judge yourself. See where you're falling, falling short. Go to God first. Don't run like Adam and Eve did. That's the lesson we can learn from them. Go to him and say like David. I, this is in many of my prayers. Lord, search me. Know me. See if there be anything in me that's not like you. And then in addition to what David said, I add, by the hand of your spirit, reach down in there and remove that thing from me, Lord. Show it to me. Remove it from me, O oh God, so that nothing will hinder your move in my life. We want to move other spirit. It starts outside of these four walls. We need to come in here prepared for that. It also is fasting together as favorable for an open heaven. And Malachi, got, remember, God said, test me in this, prove me in this, and see if I won't open heaven. But the testing and the proving comes first before the open heaven. Test me in this and prove me in this. And then fasting together is favorable for answered prayer. For answered prayer. Here's what I want to add to that. You might say, well, God, does God just not answer your prayers? There's a lot of times God answers your prayers. You just can't hear what he's saying. Because your pipeline is not open. And you might be just looking for the answer that you want. See, God always answers our prayers. But for you to hear what he's saying, come on, deny yourself a time for favor. Let me read you a couple scriptures, and then we'll get out of here. Mark 8, 34 and 36 says, And when he had called the people unto him and his disciples also, he said to them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever will save his life shall lose it. But whoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it for what profit a man to gain the whole world. Remember, there's a good success and a bad success. The good success is a God success. For what profit a man to gain the whole world and then what? Lose his soul. Listen to that for a moment from the Living Bible. It says this, then he called his disciples and the crowds to come over and listen. He said, if any of you, listen now, Jesus talking. He said, if any of you want to be my follower, he told them, you put aside your own pleasures and shoulder your cross and follow me. If you insist on saving your life, you will lose it. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. And how does a man benefit if he gains the whole world and loses his soul in the process? What is God telling us? He said, if you make yourself numero uno, if you leave yourself on the throne, that's your reward. That's how you're going to live. And you're not going to know real living. But if you would take yourself off the throne and make me more important than you, come on. Then you'll understand how to really live. Because I have the answers. Jeremiah said, call to me, the Lord said, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. This is what he's saying to you today. Call, this is the way to call to him, is to participate in this fast as a congregation together. 
He's saying, call to me. Do this thing together. If you do it, I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Things you never thought of, I'm going to show you. Together. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. So continually, continuing daily with one accord, come on, in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and, listen, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. As I look around and I say, boy, our heart is discipleship. Our heart is to save the lost. And listen, we have a lot of empty seats in this place. And we want more people to come in, not just transplants from other churches, but we want people who don't know the Lord to know the Lord and to get in here and to grow. That's what we want. Guess what? Guess how we do it? There's so many ways. We can do all kind of outreaches. You can do all sorts of things on the website and do all of these sorts of things. But here's what he's saying. Continuing daily continuing daily with one accord come on simplicity of heart they were together they were unified and the lord added to the church daily those who were being saved we must be on one accord first and foremost we must do it together hebrews 4:16 let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in the time of need. Listen, when you put yourself aside, you're saying, Lord, I lay myself prostrate before you. Come on. It is my time of need, and I'm giving you all of me. Another version says he's been through weakness and testing. He's experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is ready to give. Take the mercy Accept the help. Stop trying to do it your way. Chest me in this and prove me. Why? Why? The preliminary question is why? Why are we doing this, Pastor Mike? Why? Well, fasting is a voluntary absence from food for spiritual purposes, which is simple enough. But the question for us becomes, is it just a diet? Is it just something we're doing because the rest of the church is doing it? Or do we really want to see a move of God in our life and in this congregation? Do we really want to see it? You know, David fasted and wept for his dying child in the Old Testament. Many reasons. In Esther, the Jews fasted when they were threatened with extermination. In Jonah, Nineveh fasted when Jonah pronounced judgment on them. There are many examples in the Old Testament how people came together when they had a need for fasting. It was an outward expression, right, of something God was doing inwardly. What does that mean for us here today? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask yourself some serious questions. Do you turn to God in your time of trial, surrender to him or do you surrender to your fear and surrender to grumbling come on do you repent of sin in your life or do you tolerate it are you confident and here's the thing are you confident in your own strength are you sure we can move forward as a church are you confident in your own strength 
Or do you see your utter need in the grace of God? Now, the true answers to these questions say much more about your sanctification than whether you have fasted recently. The true answer to these questions speak much more to your sanctification than whether you deny your body food. Here's what I'm telling you. I don't want you to focus all of your efforts on denying your body food without the prayer, without the reading of the word, without the seeking of God's presence. It's more important because if you don't do that, all we're doing is a 10-day diet. And the purpose is not a 10-day diet, which that's good. Uh, Listen, a 10-day diet would be great. But that's not why God wants us to do this. You may as well not do it if we're doing it for that purpose. I want you to focus on prayer. Pray every day. Every single day of the 10-day fast, pray. And I want you to take a time, some time during that day, and read your word. And I want you to set that time aside. Don't just let it be a thing you do because, oh, I forgot to read the Bible today. Jesus wept. Okay, got it in. No, I want you to set the time aside. And I want you to try to comprehend what it is you're reading. Whatever it is. Maybe you're reading the book of Acts. Maybe you're reading Ephesians. Maybe you're in the Old Testament. Maybe you're reading Leviticus. It might take you a little more time. But take some time to comprehend what it is you're reading. Pray about what you're reading. And then what I want you to do is during your day, here's here's the other thing. Here's what you cannot do because it would not be a biblical fast if you did. You simply cannot go around with your head down. Oh, I'm fasting. You go to work. Hey, we're going out to Acapulco Joe's today. Well, I can't go. You know, my church is fasting. I'm just trying to get to be like the Lord. I'm trying to go up higher. You know, I'm holding on to his unchanging hand. It's not the purpose of it. No, in the Old Testament, Jesus said, wash your face. The Lord told him, wash your face and look good. No, so people won't even know. They want to know, what the heck are you doing? What do you have to eat? No, you can't do that. Don't let people know that you're fasting. But it's between you and God. Our church is called to intercede for the world, for this nation, for our community, and most of all, for each other. I believe that there are some chains that need to be broken, saints. And the way for those chains to be broken is for us as a church to pray and to fast. It is the only way to do it. Chains in your personal life. Change in relationships that you have. Change in your finances. Come on. I believe there's a curse on finances. I, want, I better close this. I don't want to even go into that. I, but I do. I believe, there's a curse on, I believe there's a curse on finances. It's not just knowledge. I believe there's a curse on it. If we don't get out from up under that thing, you're just going to continue in the same thing that you're doing. I believe there's a curse on our health. I do. I believe that we help it <laughs> by some of the things that we eat. Come on, I, listen, I'm telling you, I, I, I know it firsthand. <laughs> I can see it, right? You know, we don't get daily exercise. We some, you know, sometimes we're couch potatoes, whatever it may be. So we help it, but I believe there's a curse on our health. But it starts in the spirit. We can break it there. We can break this thing, saints. 
I believe there's a curse on relationships. Not just married people. I'm talking about relationships in this church. And in families. The enemy has brought a curse on a thing. And it starts in the spirit. And we need to break it. And the way we're going to break it is we can't come together and go, okay, we're just going to break this thing. You can't do that. You can't do it in your own power. You're going to trust in yourself. David says, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but I will trust in the name of the Lord forever. Let's trust in his name. So God is calling out to us, saints. Test me in this. Prove me in this 10-day thing. Amen?